heavy week in Metaverse news. Indeed. You you start with that. Indeed. We have massive news. Disney actually just appointed head of Metaverse. Um, Someone named Mike White, who was involved with Disney for 10 years, and he'll be leading Metaverse strategy. We have a few other news items for the Metaverse, but this podcast is an intergenerational discussion, and we're asking the question, what the F is the Metaverse, and discussing all things Metaverse. From our unique perspectives and different generations, just to the news of Disney having someone lead up their Metaverse strategy is pretty funny, because Hollywood, of course, will always jump on to the hottest new thing. And so they, of course, have to have a head leading up their metaverse strategy, and they don't even know what it is. <laughs> so that's, 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 uh, I well, mean, I, I don't think, do say, I don't think, it, they, yeah. I don't think if you talk to anybody at the studios, they really would tell you they really understand what the metaverse is. And now they'll have different opinions about what it may become. Um, but, you know, to suddenly have a head of metaverse strategy, I mean, I think it's both a good news because it's great that, you know, this, this new, you know, digital world, the new virtual world is building itself out and becoming something that money is chasing and all of those other aspects. And now Hollywood is chasing it. But, you know, I've been talking about this stuff in Hollywood for over 25 years, and it's been a big, long history of that. And now suddenly, uh, you know, it's starting, the dam is starting to break, which I think is a great news on one level. It's also kind of funny because they really don't know what they're talking about. It's just like when they jumped into, you know, the studios had interactive divisions and new media division. They're always just going on the most recent clickbait word. So that's one aspect of it, along with it being also positive since they're going to be focusing on, you know, developing this new virtual world. But do you think this could be more of a significant announcement than than those other ones you mentioned because disney says that they believe that the metaverse is an evolution of its nearly 100 year old storytelling tradition and yes they're so they, they've said they're going to really invest into this related news they're also <laughs> announced they're going to build story living towns yes uh, across America at some point they're going to build these digital metaverses but they're going to extend that into the physical world as well so, but I, don't which know, is, I think it, it's which is kind of terrifying, which is kind of terrifying. I mean, having a Disney town where everything like, you know, what Pluto's going to walk up to you and say, oh, hot dog, uh, you know, or, hey, it, sounds, mean, it sounds fun. It sounds fun. <laughs> I don't know. I don't know. I mean, I mean, I guess it would be good for the kids. I mean, for for young adults with children, uh, you know, there might be an interesting aspect to that. But it's also. But Just, there are you know, Disney adults. There are there's a, there are uh, retirees. In fact, they're announcing in a whole section of these towns will be dedicated to retirement. Um, right, and, right. And there's a lot of aging Disney lovers. People who yeah, of course, go to course. Disneyland. Yeah. So I don't know, but but that's in the physical world. I mean, I've been a Disney lover yeah. my whole life. I grew up with Disney. I was in the you know the mainstream of Disney when Walt Disney was still alive. When I was a child, it was an amazing part of my childhood. The first big movie I went to see was Mary Poppins, which was a roadshow film, which meant they booked it into theaters. You had to get tickets in advance. It was kind of like you know you had to reserve your space to go see it and. It was a big, big, big deal, the ritual of that. I think part of that ritual is what we need to bring into virtual worlds. When they say, you know, story, story living worlds, story living towns, that's very close to this concept I've been talking about, of, you know, story worlds, which is really what needs to drive it. So the fact that Disney has always been driven by story is, I think, a positive development for the metaverse, which you're indicating, um, you know, but at the same time, they all still don't know exactly what it is, um, you know, and how it relates to gaming. Is it, you know, game logic? It is narrative logic. These are both things that are 
you know, something that needs to be discussed more. And of course will be because they're throwing money at it now and having people headed up as a division. So that's, uh, that's, that's an amazing thing. Of course, the fact that Disney has become a huge chunk, almost a monopolistic chunk of the entertainment business after they, you know, bought, uh, 20th Century Fox, there are other aspects of it from a corporatized media standpoint that are kind of scary. So there's both sides of it. I agree with you. I think there's definitely two sides to it. Have you heard about the vibe shift? Yeah, the, the new the new heads up display that's more <laughs> No, no, the vibe the vibe shift. The <laughs> vibe shift. This oh. is not a product. This is not I thought you called it the Vive, the Vive headset. <laughs> no, okay, I'm, I'm, I'm lost. I, I'm, no. <laughs> I'm now the befuddled, the befuddled older generation guy who's lost. The Vive, so the Vive, shift, the vibe the shift whole... in culture in general. The fact of Vive has shifted. <laughs> is that what yes. you're talking about? Yes. Like they're, they're... shifted into I, what? Yes. I mean, when they when people talk about the Vive shift, are they talking no about knows. it as, as a negative thing or a positive thing? They're no one... talking about it in a very confusing way. What's happened was there was an article uh, from The Cut that has been going around the whole technology community for the past week and talking about this vibe shift. It's it's sort of criticizing it, but at the same time, almost endorsing it as well. It sounds yeah. like it's just a new cool term for something that you know, used to be, you know, like, well, where's the zeitgeist right now? Because we've always talked about the different attitudes that sort of sweep through culture and society at different phases. Uh, is that pretty much what the article is about? Because I haven't read it. Yes, yes, yes. And maybe this Disney announcement is proof of the vibe shift. I feel like there's a narrative being created about the, the metaverse that swept through the business community and the technology community and now popular culture. Yes. That the metaverse is somehow the future and yet it's being made fun of and no one really understands it. Like Like you mentioned, Disney probably doesn't fully understand it, but they see that there's this vibe shift happening towards the metaverse. And yes. so they assign a 10-year you know, uh, employee of Disney, like a very high-ranking executive at Disney to tackle this. So I don't know. They're, they're almost endorsing the vibe shift by doing that in a way. And so when you talk about vibe, you're talking about a vibe shift towards sort of digital living, uh, you know, virtual connection, uh, all the things that are endemic to the metaverse as a human experience. You're saying that there's a vibe shift towards that being having primacy in human activities as opposed to, uh, you know, real life. IRL. Yes, yeah, that's, yeah, that's very, <laughs> I mean, I would say that. I think the, the wow. popular what? culture discourse around vibe shift is totally up in the air. Everyone's just using the word just kind of for fun and laughing about it. You know, it, I think, it's it's what you said it's, earlier. There's so we'll, we'll have to make a podcast called "What the F is the Vibe Shift." I mean, <laughs> I mean, uh, I mean, yeah. it's like it's it's uh, it seems to be very amorphous, um, which is what the metaverse is very amorphous in some ways. But you know, I agree exactly. with you. Look, in 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 history, there's always been a different change. It's just you know, think about mass transportation, the the uh, you know the adoption of the automobile. It was laughed at for at least a decade of its adoption um, as a fad, as something that was smelly and noisy and who'd want all these things around and a horse and carriage is much more elegant and much more human. And I mean, everything that could be said about it like that had been said about it. And I think that's the era we're in with the emergence of the metaverse. We're in that era of 
of just looking at it and trying to see all the negative components of it while it's actually encroaching into our lives in a very, very, you know, sort of stealthy, stealthy stealthy and inexorable way. Um, It's not even that stealthy. I mean, if you look at social media, if you look at, you know, the way that people are creating their digital identities on Insta, you know, all of these aspects are shifting human identity, human culture, human interaction, and even the nature of human intimacy. And that's really, as a storyteller, what's most interesting to me is those shifts. So the vibe shift in many ways is something I, I would say I've been tracking for a very long time and actually, you know, telling stories about for a very long time, because it's, it's, it's this shift away from the fact that we have this, you know, Gaian organic experience of life with nature and being part of nature. And of course, part of the big, you know, aspects of human history is man against nature is one of the core philosophies. And of course, then there's man in harmony with nature and the, the battle between those sensibilities is something we're in the, I think the crux of right now, because what we're doing is affecting nature so much with, you know, vis-a-vis climate change, et cetera. We're in this moment. Well, what do we do? Just create another, another natural world, which is the digital world. And there's nothing unnatural about it because it's coming out of us and we're part of the natural world. So the idea that it's separate or not natural is I think wrong. It affects all the aspects of, of human engagement that I just mentioned. That's the question. You mentioned the environment because that's one reason I think the metaverse is going to be accelerated because of climate change. I think it's going to force a lot of companies. The reason I said stealthy is because I think a lot of people don't understand that the metaverse is already sort of upon us and it's, sneaking their way into people's lives. It's not even that sneaky. Everyone's looking at their phones all the time, even in a grocery store or wherever you go. I mean, we're but then why we're do they already. Think, but then why do they think that? Yeah. But they would, the most people think that they are, they would never go into the metaverse. I think, I think I most people are actually very skeptical, skeptical of the metaverse and okay. they don't know what it is. And but think about, think about this know though. That they're already inside of it. Yeah. But think about this. So before there was, PDAs, digital devices, even before there was, you know, uh, the Palm Pilot and digital assistant devices that became then the smartphone. You tell people, hey, you're going to carry this brick around with you, this small little brick, and you're going to look at it all the time and you're going to touch it with your finger all the time. And that's going to be a big part of all of your day. If you described it like that to people, because it's going to have this information, people would go, what the? F, are you talking about? That's, I don't want to do that. I, I, I engage in life. I engage with people. I, I don't want to, you know, if you had told them, yes, even in when you're in the same room or close to somebody, you will use this device to communicate with them. Even when you're that, you're fairly close, you could walk over and talk to them. They would think you were absolutely insane. So a lot of the things that are described about interacting in the metaverse and with humans in the metaverse sound insane from the current cultural perspective, although less insane than it used to, because we do have digital identities. You do have, uh, you know, basically avatars, whether you're using filters in Snapchat or Insta or, you know, portraying yourself through video blogging. Yeah, that's why it's sneaking in, because people don't realize they're already digitizing themselves. They just think, oh, of course, I use my phone, but I would never go in the metaverse. You know what I mean? It's like, right, right. So, 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 So this brings up and one of the big questions I wanted to ask on this this uh, episode was, you know, there have been many shifts in history 
I want to put the question out there so everyone can think about it. it what shifts in the history are, is this equivalent to? There's, of course, the Promethean moments like, you know, the discovery of fire, discovery of the wheel, and then much further on, the printing yeah. press. You know, these are very core fundamental things. I think it's even more fundamental to, than that. Now, I'll, I'll uh, give you my answer to what I think it is um, later in the podcast, but just for people to think about as we're talking about these other aspects. And one of the things you had mentioned you wanted to cover today was it's children, kids using the metaverse, using the digital world. Kids are now already using virtual reality. And... What does that really mean? And I, I really wanted to talk on this because I, I came off in the first two episodes as an uh, optimist uh, for the metaverse. And <laughs> yes, I will yes. say that I try, to, I try to stay neutral. I really do. And I'm, I, I, I'm just a student of technology. Like I said before, I'm learning from technology and I just can't help but see how these technologies yeah, yeah, eventually but you lo- you love tech- dominate you love our technology. But that, doesn't mean, but, that doesn't, but that doesn't mean that these technologies aren't flawed. Even though there's still no, yeah, I mean, you love you, you love technology though, but you love technology, and that's something you've always loved. It's just an inherent na- natural thing for you to love technology. So well, you I are the future. I think it's I think yeah. it's the future of where we're going, but that doesn't mean that they're not flawed, and right, that doesn't of mean that there's not a lot of problems with technology. Right, right. And right. I think one of the biggest red flags and the biggest biggest things we need to start talking about regarding the metaverse is kids in the metaverse. Yes. Because yes. what I've experienced from as someone who uses the uh, MetaQuest 2 headset almost every day, and I go into various virtual reality experiences, some of which are multiplayer, so they're metaverses that anyone can join. What I've experienced is that overwhelmingly, it's kids. <laughs> it's right. young people who are wow. in these metaverses and they're not attended with by adults. And if I had a kid knowing what I know about the metaverse and knowing what I know about virtual reality from my experience these past you know, five years, I would say you always need you treat it like the physical world. You have to treat it like would you leave your kid in a park unattended for hours and then like leave the city? No. You would you'd stay in the park to make sure that no one comes up and starts being weird or you know or start you know kidnaps your kid or who all this stuff. Now in, in virtual reality, the kids can't be kidnapped because it's digital, but there are very bad things and dark things that can happen in this this space because it has that sense of physicality to it. Absolutely. Absolutely. And, and by the way, people's physical space. And what about dissociation that can start happening in terms of physical dysmorphia because of being in a digital world a lot of the time? I mean, I think we need to really look at how this affects human evolution uh, and our interface with the real world. I mean, if kids are st- spending more time instead of running through fields and and playing in forests and climbing trees and all the things that connect you organically to the real world, which is how I grew up. Uh, what does that mean? What does that mean for how they'll develop as human beings in relation to the real world? And I think that there's a lot of very big questions in that that are not answered at all. And actually, most of the indications indicate several terrifying aspects to this, which is 
not least of which is kind of a disconnection psychologically, emotionally, and spiritually from the real world. And that, you know, but when that, we say, but when we say, yeah, no, but, but when we say these things are terrifying and there's dark things coming, what I'm always left with as someone who uses this technology almost every day is okay, great. This is like ominous, you know, but what do we actually do about it? How this is going to be in our lives no matter what, just like right. social every media sing, every, look, every, but every single technological innovation ever created by humankind has been terrifying and joyous at the same time. That's the paradox. The truth oh, is in the point. paradox. You know, every single, yeah, every single thing was, was terrifying. And so it's always going to be that. So we have to talk about both sides of it. I agree with you. I think I, you know, I'm trying to really lean into there are tremendously positive things that connecting greater numbers of people in a shared, you know, space with a shared ethos and a shared motivation even you know a shared focus uh can be very very powerful for for positive social change and and we need that around children in vr right now we really do because there are overwhelmingly just young people using these experiences i don't know if their parents are just giving them a meta quest to headset and then like going to the grocery store or what's happening <laughs> but right 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 there, right there, there's there and this is something that may potentially be the biggest PR disaster. I, I'm almost predicting in a way I, I I have this feeling that one of the the biggest sort of negative press that's gonna the most negative press that's gonna come out about the metaverse probably pretty soon is gonna be something involving children yeah. in in the metaverse. Oh, and yeah. This is already happening in metaverse is like a roblox so roblox if you don't know what roblox I, you probably do but for yeah, the audience I, I, roblox is a is a gaming platform that is incredibly popular with kids and you're you're you basically can create your own games with roblox you can create your own virtual experiences where that are in three-dimensional worlds you can go into and there have been reports of a lot of really bad things happening in, in roblox especially involving adults and children like creepy adults do it you know and yeah i mean let, let's that, be honest the pedophilia the pedophilia protections i mean pedophiles want to be hidden they want to be stealthy they don't want you to know their identity what better place than where a bunch of kids are flocking to go play in a virtual reality imaginative universe you can, have a, you can have a, a 45 year old man who's happens to be you know have that proclivity make a very small young girl avatar and be speaking through that to other young girls. And so the, the, again, what is our digital identity? How do we establish digital identity as something that actually can be tracked and sovereign as opposed to this complete chaos of everything's up in the air. It's the metaverse. You can do anything because nobody's got, you know, controls in place. And so right now, yeah. There do yeah, need yeah, to be ahead. those, you know, but the, I, I just saying there need to be some of those controls or yeah. it is going to get to a point where there's going to be a major, major story on this. I, I agree. What Facebook now called Meta, what Meta has done so far is in their Horizon Worlds product, which is Meta's metaverse product, where you can go and have an avatar, create worlds. What they say is that everything is being monitored all the time. Which is and, also completely crazy. I mean, it's like the 1984, 
you know, version of the telescreen and all the things that were surveillance in that world, which you were completely surveilled all the time, being just taken and put into the metaverse. Everyone said, oh, it's totally cool because it's just an imaginative digital world. And yet it is the ultimate surveillance state. And that digital world can very quickly within five to 10 years become the real world. When you say the digital world can become the real world, what exactly do you mean? The digital world can become the real world. Well, I just want to know what's in your head, your your head with that. Yeah. Yeah. Well, this is, this is what I mean by that. So meta recently pitched a room full of advertisers explain the metaverse is five to 10 years away from mainstream adoption. And they reiterated that parts of the metaverse are already here. So what what I meant by that the metaverse is going to become the real world is that we're going to end up spending potentially most of our time in these digital worlds within five to 10 years because the, the headsets will be extremely lightweight. They're going to be really easy to wear. And I think, honestly, the jobs are going to be in the metaverse. That's going to be why we shift into living in the digital world is because the economy is going to go into the metaverse. And of course, pandemics and the rolling pandemic we're in, which is never going to go away, it's going to be endemic instead of a pandemic, which means it's just, it's just built in, burned into the culture, is going to increasingly require, you know, virtual work. And, and so you're right, that economic imperative I mean, you know, uh, JP Morgan came out and said they were going to be the the anchor bank of the metaverse just this last week as well. Um, and that's well, they uh, well, well they, what they did was <laughs> JP Morgan opened the first bank, they said. So they, they went into a platform called Decentraland and they opened a lounge there. So what does that really mean? It just means they it's kind of marketing, to be honest. Yeah, but it's a marketing. Point, yeah, well, Decentraland is it. yeah, Decentraland is a, is a virtual world that's searching for a business model. You know, I mean, it's um, right. You know, it's it is one of the first ones, so they're the, one of the first movers. So you got to give that to them. Um, I'm not saying it's you know, but it's very generic. And so you know, opening a bank in the central land is kind of like, well, that's the least we could do to give a nod to this metaverse right. thing. So, so that's a little unpacking of that piece of news. People is when you hear you know, J.P. Morgan moves into the metaverse, and it's really very easy to do at this point with some of these very nascent platforms like the central land, and doesn't mean much. At the yeah. same time. And so, you know, the true economic imperative or, you know, the models are just forming now for what is digital virtual real estate? How do you create scarcity? How do you create, you know, uh, a, a true economic model? Now, there are examples, as an example, you know, Second Life, which is is a digital virtual world, has an economic model that's been going on, for, you know, it's like $30 million a year. It's small. It's a niche thing. But it's, you know, they've had it going for quite a while now. And it's like 10 and, years. Yeah. yeah, at least. And uh, well, it's interesting. And there is there is a yeah. virtual economy there. So it is a first mover. Now, I, I call it, you know, it's definitely the nerdosphere. I mean, it's like it's not for everybody. No, um, no. I mean, Meta but, has yeah. taken over, I think. I think Meta with the Quest 2 headset has become the dominant player in the space. And why I, you know, so I... That's moving towards the world where it's a digital world. But why I still say that it's sneaking in. Here's a great example. I have a YouTube channel where I make videos in virtual reality. And one of the comments on, because I I made a video about Horizon Worlds, Facebook's, or sorry, I keep calling it Facebook, Meta's product. uh, And one of the comments was, this should never 
come out of the same Facebook thing. May it fall as soon as possible is one of the comments. And wow. so there's, there's really people that, you know, which, which world is going to succeed? That is still up in the air. I have said in the previous podcasts that I think Meta is way ahead of Apple. They're way ahead of even right. Snapchat. Snapchat right. has had a lot of amazing work in the augmented reality space. Right. But Meta is way far ahead in the virtual reality space. But who who's gonna who's gonna take over? I mean, it's it's still up in the air. There's a lot. Well, of- you know that. Let's that, yeah. that, let me uh, since you brought up augmented reality, AR, um, and you had said you know in five ten years maybe we'll be spending more of our time in a virtual world in the metaverse experience than we do in the real world because of economic imperatives. Like you said, the jobs will be there. One of the aspects of that is devices need to develop much more so that that could become possible. And one of the ways that could become possible is if the real world and that digital metaverse world are blended, which is really what AR is. Now, I believe AR is virtual experience. It's on the continuum of virtual reality. You know, it's like there's these arbitrary sort of definitions. Well, virtual reality means when you put a goggle on, you can look behind you and you're totally surrounded. I don't necessarily agree with that. I think immersion and a virtual experience are going to become much more uh, expanded in terms of their definition. And, but when people can actually have a digital world overlaid on top of their, uh, normal world, which they've seen in so many movies with heads up displays from the Terminator. I had it in lawnmower man. I mean, you know, uh, the, all the ways in which digit data can appear to you in the, re- you know, the real world through a pair of glasses, um, you know, or a cybernetic eye or whatever that will allow you to integrate with that data in the real world. I think that's going to be one of the ways that people are in a blended reality of the digital world with real reality, even more so than when they're in fully virtual worlds most of the time. I think we're going to that's have a blending. We're yeah. going to have a blending. And then when Apple does jump in with their their glasses, which, you know, for many years, were, everyone's like, they're coming out with AR glasses. Then it was like, no, they're virtual reality glasses and but who knows what it is because it's been they've been changing it a lot over the years and haven't come out with it yet and i believe ar is which is already uh empowered by apps and empowered by the operating systems and iphones and androids that ar is going to become a central aspect of the metaverse that is more ubiquitous than any other because that blending of the real world and the digital world is going to be a really interesting way to experience it. And it's more still anchored in everyone's everyday experience of walking around the real world. If you just happen to have a very pair, lightweight pair of glasses on that look like any you know normal glasses or normal sunglasses, and you're able to see and experience and interface with things that just pop up in overlaid in the real world, I think that's going to become very normal for people. That we're going to be we're going to become normalized to the blending of the digital and the real. And that's that's got its own, you know, we again we're already well, in the training rules of that. It's with interesting you mentioned that. It's interesting you mentioned yeah. that because Apple and Meta have two very different views of what the metaverse will be. First of all, Tim Cook will not even say the word metaverse. He right. Will not, he right. will not like reporters asked him about the metaverse and he'll just simply respond you know we're working on augmented reality something like that and not the, those exact words but he'll give vague answers like that right. what's interesting is that he and, and and the company apple has been investing in augmented reality tech and it seems yes. from uh, from observers that apple is actually not 
what to, to your point, they're not fully invested in the virtual reality version. Now there was no, some news. No, no. There was some news that they're developing a virtual reality headset that's going to be for mostly for developers. Something that's really expensive, a really expensive VR headset from Apple that developers can then use before the more mass market AR glasses product. However, I it's interesting because Mark Zuckerberg seems to be going the opposite way where they are they are exploring augmented reality technology but they're coming at it from VR first and it's it's interesting I think I think you're right though it's it's not going to in the in 5 to 10 years it won't be seen as two separate things it'll be right. a combined immersive it's, con- it's a, well I've been saying for years it's a continuum all these things are what I call VX virtual experience writ large that's the overarching thing of the metaverse is virtual experience it's digital in nature, so you can say it's digital virtual experience, but it's it's the idea of overlaying a blending real reality with a virtual world. That's going to become, I think, much more the norm. That blending, which you were the first wave of with the devices that you had as you grew up and social media and the internet and all those things, that's affected your consciousness in very specific ways to make a point to how does this affect kids? I mean, I've seen how it's affected you in mostly positive ways, but also you know, there are negative connotations that can happen. You can get isolated from the real world. You can get isolated from human interaction. There's not well, as much. I, I, I was never isolated, though. I No, no, no. I I'm not talking about you enough. directly. I'm talking about you directly. I'm talking about to, you know, your generation. Yeah, I, yeah. I was lucky enough to be raised in an in a, in a environment that is actually very disconnected from technology. Yeah, and I know. That's, that's the irony. You raised in a Waldorf yeah. school and in, in yeah. this kind of sort of fairyland natural <laughs> environment of uh of uh, northern marin county of sebastopol yeah and uh you know near the napa valley it, it's wonderful up there your elementary school schools, experience yeah. yeah they didn't allow uh, computers. Waldorf schools, they say no tv <laughs> they say no television for Waldorf school kids i mean they're very much not into the the digital world and so i think they're, they're this is why we need to create a kind of you know for lack of a better term some kind of ritual around this where you know, the kid kids are maybe kept away from these technologies until they're old enough to actually experience them. And and their brain is developed enough to make good decisions in these virtual worlds where anything is possible. It, it, that's I, I like, agree. You know, I don't know. I It sounds radical, but it's like there's there's a drinking age. Should there be a metaverse age where you have to be a certain age ah. to go in the metaverse? I mean, I think the, yeah. the age is 13 years old right now with the current laws. You have to be 13 years old at least, but should it be older than 13? I don't know. What yeah. do you think? Um, well, I think it's unrealistic to think that people from 13 on up are not going to get in the digital. I mean, kids earlier yeah. than that get into the internet, all kinds of things. They start looking at that in elementary school now. Um, you know, not that that's that maybe in an indication of bad parenting, but at the same time, we have this ubiquitous digital world available to us through these devices all the time and you know young kids having their own iphones and own digital devices is very common these days and actually think about what that is that opens up the entire world through a portal to children so when that entire world is also a full virtual world what's that mean you know and i think that that's one of the big big questions we have to have not just a ritual but we have to have a structure of ethics around this and this is something i've been part of for a while. We actually, at this uh, conference yeah. in, in Toronto uh, many years ago, I mean, I guess five or six years ago, seven years ago, um, maybe five years ago, uh, we 
it, given by uh, Kiram uh, Malki Sanchez. He he uh, has this great VRTO. He also runs the Five R's, uh, you know, which is storytelling in virtual and augmented worlds, um, and is an amazing you know sort of innovator in that space. And with these events that he's had, we had uh, an amazing professor there who was part of many inventions, including the like the the augmented watch, like what you know things like that. Uh, and he was guiding us in creating an ethical framework around the virtual world and, you know, including data sovereignty, uh, the ability to. But who's going to enforce that? Yeah, I know. I mean, th th there's actually a paper that was written about this that came out of that conference, which I'll uh, I'll reference later in another, you know, another podcast uh, episode. But it's, you know, it, th this thinking about it, it's, I've been, you know, with a group of people that have been thinking about this now for quite a number of years. I even, you know, in 2015, seven years ago, I published my five laws of virtual reality, which was kind of a tongue in cheek homage to Isaac, Isaac Asimov's three laws of robotics. Um, so I, I did it in a kind of semi-fictional way. I was going to incorporate it into a, a show concept that I was a series concept that I was creating, but I, I then I got them out there and it got published in, in sort of gamer news and, and different outlets yeah. like that pointing to that. We need an ethical framework around this thing that's becoming, you know, part of this vibe shift, as you say, you know, that vibe shift is pointing us towards engaging in the virtual world more and more. And so we need to think about what are the ethos? I mean, when, you know, cars came on the road, we had to create road rules and laws and things that were related to safety. Very little of that is going on in the context of the metaverse. It's just sort of like a headlong rush to build it and they will come, you know, it's a headlong rush into this thing. And, and I think that that's very, very dangerous, but also it's kind of indicative of human behavior you know, with innovation, they tend to, we, you know, we tend to embrace it. And of course, new generations embrace it as part of their identity. And so, you know, we need to really think about what does this mean for young people that have, you know, there's, there's neuroplasticity, you know, it can actually hardwire neuronic pathways in the brain. There's been neurological research that talks about how virtual reality and, and, and just digital experience changes brain functioning, I mean, these are all wow. things that should be talked about. I mean, I, I was consulting at one point with the Mattel Corporation, the big toy corporation, and this was central to the, you know, they had to think about these things as a toy corporation because their main constituency are children for the marketplace. And they so, make Barbie. They make yeah, yeah, they all make, these products. For those who don't know who Mattel is, they're a massive, yeah, yeah massive, company. massive toy company. And so I was consulting with them for almost, you know, over a period of a year. And it never really led to anything of them doing anything in the virtual world because they had all these issues with the rules, the ethics, how are they going to be protected liability wise. And they were one of the only companies, I think, that were thinking that way because they had already had to think that way in context of physical toys. You know, when Disney's talking about bringing everything into the metaverse, I mean, are they, are they fun, you know, is this new guy is he going to be thinking and having a division that's just about that I can't I can't imagine them not having that focus it is for legal reasons for liability reasons but uh you know what is going to be the real ethos of the virtual world especially in relation to children this actually could be a reason why apple might have a leg up over meta and as much as i am impressed with meta's technology apple is going slow and, and to your point about everyone rushing in 
the Apple is not rushing. They're taking a lot of time. They are also a company that is respected. They are all about privacy, at least in the United States. They're about privacy. Yeah, yeah. And- <laughs> at least in the United States. China, that's another issue. <laughs> well, they couldn't. Yeah, it's gosh, it's yeah, it's because they couldn't even operate there. But still, there's a lot of gray area uh, uh-huh. for Tim Cook. I was like, if Tim Cook really believes in privacy, then why is he letting the state, the state media or the state go- the government in China controlling the servers and all the data exactly uh, over there? So, you know, there's there's a lot of things. But that being said, I think they're way more privacy friendly than Meta is. That's yes. for sure. I mean, <laughs> people well, look, do not I, I, I think Facebook. I think I think the, the greatest example of a headlong rush into the metaverse is Meta, because I think they're yeah. under I think Facebook has been under siege. I think Mark Zuckerberg has been under siege for good reason. And they needed to, to, to shift and have a bold change of uh, landscape. And so he delivered that. But it was it was obviously very rushed. I mean, the videos they did. I mean, none of it was that well considered as far as Everyone I can made see. Everyone made fun of them. Yeah. Yeah, Everyone's exactly. Laughing. Exactly. Everyone's laughing at it. So obviously you didn't really think that through. Uh, so, but you know, if you use it, but if I, but it's so different that it, like, I'm someone who's actually using the technology that they're advertising and the advertisements, I totally agree are laughable, but they're, they're just doing a bad job at advertising the great technology that they've created. They've created really amazing technology. And I think they're, they, they are, they're, they're farther ahead than anyone else. That's, that's the fact. But you know, and, and people say, oh, well, they don't have the better graphics. Like, for example, there's a lot of game engines right now that are creating metaverse-like worlds that are photorealistic. Like, we're talking photorealistic metaverse worlds. Meanwhile, meta is creating, like, these cartoon characters that don't even have legs. <laughs> and right, right, everyone's right, making, right. making fun of that. That's, like, the punchline right now is that meta avatars don't have legs well yeah the avatar the avatar world is not all avatars are created equal Uh, that's for sure but Um, i think there's but i think there's room for innovation there i wouldn't discount meta just because they're a little bit behind on the software i think the hardware is in many ways the hardest part and the software well i don't know it goes hand in hand no the hardware is definitely the hardest part because adoption of the of the hardware is really where the rubber meets the road you know that's that's at yeah. least what what Quest Two has done is you know started to you know be anywhere near some kind of you know high end adoption. It's still niche, even with the millions of units that are out there. It's still a niche thing. Over no- ten million, over ten million. Yep. and but- it was the number one gift of twenty twenty one for holiday season. And also, but but it's all it's kids though. That's what it's all kids. Right, <laughs> right. Like, it's kids. It's kids, and, and also. And also some fitness freaks that are using it as well, because yeah. the, the, the fitness That's thing true. is really, really going strong. And the, the people that have developed uh, fitness apps like Within has developed a fitness. I mean, I, I think there's some, you but know, Facebook is buying all of those Meta, successes out there. Yeah, Meta is buying up every single virtual experience that's popular on their platform. Uh, Supernatural is one of the most popular ones. And so and, and Meta is looking to acquire a lot of these companies to try to own it. Which is interesting because Mark Zuckerberg talks a lot about how, oh, it should be an open source. You know, we should be interoperable. Yeah, but uh, and mean, meanwhile, anything that's successful at all, they grab up and and scoop it yeah. up, just like <laughs> just like they scooped up Instagram and they scooped up uh, WhatsApp. 
you yes, know, yes. I mean, I mean, I mean, that's that's massive monopolistic moves, whatever, however you want to see it. <laughs> it's true. You know? It's true. But I, it's, it's, it's interesting to see how Apple will. Well, yeah, we'll approach this. I'm fascinated. What I've heard from Tim Cook, though, is that he's not he doesn't see the vision that Mark sees. And I do think that Mark is ahead of his time and he's made fun of and he's been very He's, you know, I, I think the reason why he made such bad decisions with Facebook is the reason why he's going to succeed in the metaverse. And let me just quickly explain that for one minute. And and that's, you know, so Mark, I think, is, just, is a bold statement, bold he's, statement, bold statement. Here we go. Well, yeah, because he's a technologist. <laughs> he's a technologist and he's relentlessly focused on the technology. And that's why he was completely basically, you know, made so many terrible mistakes about the moderation of it and the the social impacts of it because he he didn't care about the social impact of it he just cared about building a technology that was going to reach a billion users it, it's almost like it's almost like he has a tech, a techno autism is it, what it feels like to me i think that's what like serves he's just, his company when it comes to the metaverse because because in the metaverse he it, it, he's embracing the technology earlier than anyone else. So I think that's just going to get, no, he absolutely is. He also has one words. you know, he spent 3 billion on, uh, on, uh, Oculus and, you know, that became meta now. Um, you know, I mean, it's, I, you're absolutely right that, and I've always felt mixed feelings about it because it really created this new phase of virtual experience. It's been something that I've been very much a part of because of my history, in you know virtual reality with the lawnmower man and everything else and 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 then palmer lucky coming out and talking about that as one of his favorite films and so that you know all of these things i've been connected very deeply and i've talked to a lot of people at facebook slash meta uh, i was actually one of the first people interviewed in their social vr forum for, at this conference i think it was the first person actually um with a woman Oculus named Na nana berg yeah who was running that at that time and you know, so I, I agree that they have been absolutely out front of everyone and putting their money where their mouth is for sure. And they got slammed stock wise for that just recently because they had 10 billion, you know, invested into metaverse stuff and to virtual, you know, development. And uh, and yet they had users go down on the main platform a little bit. You know, and so yeah. it, it was not that much really, but it but was, it was the bit. first time ever that it's it was the first down. time ever. Yeah. So that perceptually was bad. But, you know, so I agree with you. I just wish it was someone besides Zuckerberg and his consciousness that were driving it. Um, and do I wish it was, you know, well, there's uh, the people around him, there's Boz and, you know, there's these different people on his team that are now very vocal about pushing the positive aspects of it in a way would i trust my kids in a meta headset or an apple headset i'd probably pick apple because i apple is more privacy focused apple yeah. has a history and and meta has only had a really bad history of data leaks and manipulating emotions i mean let's remember meta was the company that did uh, uh studies about how their platform was affecting users' emotions and even did tests where they manipulated people's emotions. I know, I know. They did tests where they said, oh, let's see if we could make people happier or depressed. Yeah. They, weren't, they weren't thinking about the human aspect of it when they're doing these studies. Which is very bad. I mean, they're, when corporations don't yeah. think about the quote-unquote human aspect, that's sort of an anti-human 
functionality, that's one of the biggest problems with corporate oligarchy and just, you know, the the nature of our, our corporatized culture, whatever way you want to spin it. I'm not talking from any political standpoint. There is a huge corporatization of our culture, no matter what you think politically. And, uh, you know, both sides are bought and paid for by corporations on the political spectrum. And so, you know, it's which it's is something... why a lot of people are going independent. They're they're basically saying, "Oh, I don't even watch the news anymore," and now they're going directly to creators. It's interesting to see these mainstream organizations kind of freaking out. I think that's actually why there's been a lot of narrative in quote unquote mainstream news against social media. That's why it's like, "Oh, social media is this terrible thing." That's kind of the narrative I, I feel like in in mainstream media. When if, if you're a creator, if you're someone like me, who my whole career is built off of the creator economy, right, I'm able right, to, right. And, and not only me, but millions, millions of other people have their livelihood because of social media, right. because of right. making YouTube videos, right. all the same platforms that manipulated people's emotions and did bad things. Those same platforms also elevated people, you know, who before they might have been working at a McDonald's. And exactly. Look, and this is and what you're pointing out is an entirely natural aspect of innovation and change as it comes into society, especially through technological innovation. There's groups that are risen by that and groups that fall. There is attrition and there is empowerment. And all of that is the strum and drang, the, the you know, the sort of wave flow of change that comes in. And there's always going to be these crashing wave fronts. I mean, Alvin Toffler, who wrote the Vibe third shift. wave, he wrote the third wave. He wrote a book called Future Shock that was back in the 60s and 70s, uh, you know, talked about crashing wave fronts of culture, crashing wave front of, you know, technological culture, information culture, digital identity culture. All of these things are happening right now, right now. And as this metaverse. So the question is, the can we? Shift is here. Yeah, the vibe shift, shift is here. And can we pivot? in the vibe shift to something where we're utilizing these new empowering worlds. And I believe they can be empowering. I really believe that. Um, if we think about the humanity of it, can we, we use gotta, it? Yeah, exactly. And can yeah. we, can we utilize it in a humanistic manner that's empowering to humans from a creative and imaginative standpoint and an intimacy standpoint and all those aspects, can we pivot and lean into those positive aspects of what the metaverse can deliver in this vibe shift. <laughs> we'll leave with the vibe shift <laughs> contemplation, everybody. And Shannon, my usual send off is I love you. Love you. Son. Love you, Dad. Subscribe to this podcast on Apple Podcasts or whatever podcast app that you use. And also check out our Substack. And we're going to be recording every week. Special thanks to Greg Leonard, who produced the original theme music for What the F is the Metaverse.